0: Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Jesus is the answer. Come on. I, I, I'm so glad I'm not, celebrating, I'm not celebrating a Santa Claus and I'm not celebrating all that. I'm so glad I'm not celebrating a fictitious character. I'm so glad I'm celebrating Jesus the answer. You know, t- we've done a series this uh, month, the Lord put it on my heart to really focus upon what it was that God was doing that we celebrated the Christmas season where, you know, he sent his son at the fullness of time, the Bible tells us, at the fullness of time so that he would be the answer to things that stood between us and God. All right. Jesus was certainly the answer to sin because I mean, know none of us had an answer to sin. And he certainly was the answer to the adversary who stood against God and stood against man. And he certainly is the answer to death, as we talked about last week. And and so, to to kind of sum up this series, today's is that Jesus is God's answer to life. Come on, how many know there is no life without Jesus? There just isn't. How many know your life, I hope this is true, has been different because of Jesus? You know? The point, like I said, is to direct our attention during this season to what the whole reason we even celebrate the birth of Christ. I want to read you a scripture. And the first scripture I want to read you is um, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. How many know that word means Jesus? The word word means Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus and Jesus was with God and Jesus was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made in him was life in Jesus was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. What do we mean when we say Jesus is the answer to life? What does the scripture mean when it says that Jesus was life? What does it mean when it says that life, that life was the light of men? I want to talk to you about that, but I want to talk to you about another term that the Lord directed me to in talking about life today, and it's the term eternal life. All right, how many are hoping to experience eternal life? Amen. Good. I'm going to mess with you today. (laughs) I'm going to annoy you today. Say amen, pastor. Jen, blow the thing. Okay. I'm going to need you to be on cue today. All right. Let me begin with a statement. Let me begin with this statement right here. All men are immortal. Come on. How many know we're all going to live forever? All men will live eternally. According to scripture, we can live in a perpetual state called eternity, and this eternal, we can live with eternal life, or we can live eternal death. There's an oxymoron, isn't it? All right, today I wanna focus upon the one term, eternal life. Jesus is the answer to eternal life. There's several questions I hope to answer in this message today. What is eternal life? What is it? When does eternal life begin? How is eternal life acquired? How many think those would be good answers to, uh, questions to answer today? Right? And if you don't think so, too bad. Nod your head. Fake it till you make it. Works for me. So let me start with... I want to start with this. I want to start with this question. What is eternal life? What is eternal life? Let's look at a couple of scriptures. The first scripture I want you to see is Romans chapter 6, verse 23, that says this. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so the Bible tells us, first of all, first and foremost, that we have to understand something. Eternal life is a gift of God. It's not a wage. How many of you go to work and earn a wage? Some of you need to get a job, okay? Some of you just, I'm telling you right now, like like 95% of the people in here today, you need to go get a job, because none of you raised your hand, all right? You go to work, and when you go to work, you do whatever is required of you, and you are then expecting to get the wage for which you worked for. Eternal life is not something we work for. Aren't you glad? Now, I'm going to tell you something. Some people say that, but some people think that they're still working for it, because then we add a whole bunch of junk to it. Well, I gotta add this dress code and I gotta add this one. I don't wear this, I do wear that. I don't wear makeup, I do wear makeup. I don't wear earrings, I don't. All this stuff, we start adding to it, right? Because I gotta figure out a way to start with Jesus and then I gotta earn my stripes. How many know when you start with Jesus, you can't earn your stripes? All right? And, and so understanding, first and foremost, that eternal life is a gift of God. How many of you bought gifts that you're gonna give away tomorrow? How many of you bought me one? I really, I'm highly disappointed, all right? All right you went out, and, 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 and how many of the people that you bought gifts for, did they have to work to get that gift? Maybe some. I got two grandchildren tomorrow. They're getting gifts. They're getting a lot of gifts. And I'm gonna tell you something. They haven't done an ounce of work to get those gifts. No, Nothing nothing. They haven't, they haven't mowed the grass. They haven't plowed the driveway. They haven't done the dishes, although Carson likes to do the dishes. It is a mess. And, and she was helping me the other day. How many of you saw on Facebook? We had a little mishap in my house. <clears throat> we, we like to make hot chocolate, me and the kids. Carson like, papi, papi. I'm going to make hot chocolate? Sure. Let's make hot. Now, we don't just do pouches. We make the hot chocolate, the milk, the sugars on the stove. We stir it. Okay. So, and of course, Carson has to, I want to put the sugar in. And then Liam's, I want to put the sugar in. We got sugar from one end of the place to the other. All right. And then when we're stirring it, I want to stir it. Okay. And Liam, he's stirring it like this. He's got a spoon in it, his. It's like a Catholic baptism. Okay. All right. And then, and then Carson's, I'm to stir it. i want to stir it. And Carson's like It doesn't have to go 100 miles an hour, okay? It's it's quite adventurous. And then we finally get it made. Then I put it I put it in cups with lids. I put lids on the cup, and I give it to them. And then I they go around the island. They go up on the couch so we can watch TV and drink the hot chocolate. It's brown. Except I hear Liam crying. The reason he's crying as I go around the island is because he must have tripped. He fell and the lid came off the cup and all the chocolate, which is brown, was now on the white rug that's underneath the couch. (laughs) Two thoughts went through my mind. I got to get him more hot chocolate. and Oh my gosh, Penny's going to kill me. (laughs) 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 At which point, how many know, I began to scrub and scrub and scrub and scrub. Get the scrubber. (laughs) Oh, my, it was terrible. I want to tell you what Carson was doing. She's working right alongside me because she's one to scrub too. That was an adventure. But let me tell you something. They're getting a whole lot of gifts tomorrow, and they didn't do a thing to earn them. They didn't do a thing to earn them. But I want to promise you one thing. They're going to receive them. And can I just remind you that the gift of God is eternal life that you don't work for and that you didn't earn and that you just have to receive it? It's a gift. Let me give you another scripture. John chapter 17, Jesus is speaking. It says, Jesus spoke these words and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and he said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son may also glorify you as you've given him authority over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as you've given him. Now watch this, watch this, watch this. And this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. Man, I hope you're grabbing this this morning. You you see, you got to understand something. According to these two scriptures, eternal life is a gift of God. But the gift of God is in heaven. Uh Uh-oh. I told you I'm going to mess with you. The gift of God is in heaven. The gift of eternal life is not simply getting to heaven and escaping the flames of hell. Heaven is not what makes eternal life appealing. God is what makes eternal life appealing. Come on. Marriage is not what makes it appealing. It's the one you're married to that makes marriage appealing. Amen? Amen. Some of you weren't too quick on that. Some of you are thinking, I don't know, it's been hell on earth. I don't know about that, Pastor. Listen to me for a moment. The appeal of eternal life is that we know God. All right, that we know him. Listen, from this point, eternal life is the gift of God through Jesus that enables us to know God. The goal of Christianity is not heaven. Man, we have made it the goal. We have made it, I gotta, get, I, 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 I wanna get to heaven. And I would rather go to heaven than hell. But the goal of Christianity is not heaven, the goal of Christianity is God. The goal of Christianity is not me, it's God. The goal of Christianity is not escaping hell, it's encountering God. The goal of Christianity is not to escape the misery of hell, it's it's to encounter the incredible, awesome, majestic, loving God who chose to save us. Let me tell you what the misery of hell is. The misery of hell is not flames. The misery of hell is there's no God. The misery of hell is that you are separated from your God eternally. The one who loves you. I I love to travel. I really do. I love to go overseas. Penny really loves it when I go overseas. (laughs) And I love to go and I get antsy and want to go. But every time I go, Every time I go, there's one thing I can't wait for, and that's to get back, and that's to get home. Because every time I go, I still want to get home to my family. I still want to get back to Penny. I still want to get back to the kids. I still want to get back to the grandkids. I don't want to get back to the dogs, all right? But I want to get back. You see, because the, the, the misery of being away isn't that I'm away and in a, maybe at a, a beautiful place. Sometimes they're not beautiful but it's that I'm separated from my family. The misery of hell is no God. Eternal life is the promise of being restored to constant fellowship, communion, and relationship with our creator, the lover of our souls. You see, sin, death, and the devil were obstacles that stood between me and God, that stood between you and God. The obstacles that stood between us couldn't be moved by me. I couldn't remove the obstacle of sin. I can't remove the obstacle of death. I can't remove the obstacle of the devil. But the Bible tells me that Jesus is the one who removed the obstacles so I can have eternal life, which is the ability to know God, the ability to be in relationship with God. All right? How, how are they removed? How are they, okay? The scripture points us to the answer for life, the answer for eternal life. The answer for the obstacles that stood between us and God is Jesus, all right? And I want to talk to you for a few moments about that this morning, that Jesus is the answer to life because Jesus is the entrance to eternal life. It's hmm? it. I came here this morning. I snuck past the cement work out there around the steps, right? That entrance is blocked off. That's okay, because I mean, we have multiple entrances to get into this building. That's not like heaven. That's not like eternal life. Eternal life has one entrance, one entrance. His name is Jesus. Let's look at the scriptures. John 3, 16, right? Actually, we'll go with, with verse 15. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn it. I wish some preachers would get that. I wish some Christians would get that verse. He did not send his Son to condemn the world. If he didn't send his Son to condemn it, why are you condemning? Just a thought. Let's look at another verse. John five, verse 24. Most assuredly I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment but has passed from life to death. All right, think about this for a moment. So Jesus is talking to Nicodemus in John chapter three. When he's talking to Nicodemus, he says, here's what's gotta happen. The son of man, the son of God, I'm gonna be lifted up just like Moses lifted up that serpent. I've gotta go to the cross, I've gotta die. And whoever believes in me and in that sacrifice will not perish. But whoever believes will have eternal life. Man has always been looking. It's often, even in Christianity, but outside of Christianity, man has always been looking for other entrances to eternal life in Jesus. Can I find it any other way? Is there another way that I can find this entrance into eternal life? Things that we use to try to assure us of eternal life. The Bible tells me there were three groups of people who tried to find a way to eternal life outside of Jesus. There might be more, but I'm going to use these three. One was the rich young roller that came to Jesus. What was his question? His question was this. What do I have to do? Good teacher? What good thing do I have to do that I may have eternal life? What good thing must I do in order to have eternal life? Let me tell you what this room is full of today. A lot of good people. Some better than others. I'm just, just kidding. Some good people who do a lot of good things, that have done a lot of good things, and none of those good things will get you eternal life. None. I can tell we're all this room, and I can point to how many people I know that have done good things, and yet none of those good things get you eternal life. I would suggest that though many of the people in this room have done those good things, because they have eternal life, right? The rich young ruler says, so Jesus says to him, okay. He says, keep the commandments. He says, which one? So Jesus comes back and said, well, you know, don't murder. I mean, that's a good thing, don't murder. Don't commit adultery, that's a good thing. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness and honor your father and mother and love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't it interesting that the ones that Jesus gave to him are the ones that deal with our relationship with man. He said, these are the ones, do these ones. How many know that you, can, you actually can do these and not be saved? Come on. I didn't murder anybody before I got saved. I didn't commit adultery before I got saved. I haven't done it after I got saved either. <laughs> Just putting that out there. Just putting it out there. (laughs) I want that on the stream, okay? I didn't bear false witness against anybody, right? I honor my father and mother most of the time. (laughs) Oh, no, it says honor. It doesn't say obey, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Right? And love your neighbor. Okay, I I can do these and not be saved. I can do these and not have eternal life. But the fact is, I don't have eternal life just because I do those. And the G- man says, I've done all these. And Jesus says, Well, you got one thing you lack. He says, Go sell all your possessions, give them to the poor, follow me. Uh oh, how many know we got a problem? How many know Jesus didn't have a problem with his possessions? Let us understand, Jesus was not having a problem with his possessions. He didn't care that he had wealth. He didn't care that he was rich. That's not what he was saying. What he was saying was, can you do the first ones? Is your money an idol? You can't have any other gods before me. If you can't do this, now you've got gods before me. is, Is this an idol to you? Can you get rid of it? All right? Remember the Sabbath. In other words, what he's saying to him is, maybe you could do these ones but you can't do these ones because now you went away sad and are unable to do it. You see, so now he's disqualified because he was looking for that one good thing that he wanted to do. The lawyer, the lawyer came to Jesus and he wanted to test him. He said, which one is the most important commandment? He wanted to know, right? I'm sorry, let me go back. He came and and he answered him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, with your strength, your mind, and all your neighbor as yourself. When the lawyer asked him, how does he inherit eternal life? Jesus told him, asked him, what do you read? What do you think is the most important? And he said, love the Lord God with your heart, your soul, your strength, your mind, your neighbor yourself. He said to him, you've answered rightly. Do this and you'll live. And all of a sudden, the man looks at him and says, well, 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 but who is my neighbor? Because how many know he wanted to justify the fact that he wasn't loving his neighbor as himself? And that's when Jesus tells them the parable of the Good Samaritan. And then you got another group. The Pharisees. Jesus said something interesting to them. This is what Jesus said to them. And the Father Father himself who sent me has testified of me. He said to the Pharisees, You have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form, but but you do not have his word abiding in you, because whom he sent... Him you do not believe. You search the scriptures. Watch this. This is what he says to the Pharisees. You search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. But these are they which testify of me, but you're not willing to come to me that you may have life. Let me tell you something this morning. It's going to tick some of you off. Your Bible is not the path to eternal life. I love the word of God. I love the scriptures. I love to study them. And we know that they're useful for edification. We understand all that. But I'm telling you now, just because you know your Bible doesn't mean you know God. You might have 2,697 scriptures memorized. That doesn't mean you know God. It just means you know scripture. The fact of the matter is, scripture points you to God. Scripture does not contain eternal salvation. It points you to the one who contains eternal salvation. And it's time we stop making a God out of the Bible. Now, don't get me wrong. (laughs) I preach from the Bible every day. Well, not every day. (laughs) Every week when I work my one day a week. (laughs) But do you understand what I'm saying this morning? The mere fact that you know Scripture doesn't mean you know God. And yet we have people who have made a God out of Scripture and missed the God of Scripture. Their scripture, Jesus said, they testify about me. They point you to me. Scripture never points back to scripture. Scripture always points to God. They testify and direct you to Jesus where you find and enjoy eternal life. So some people are trying to get eternal life through works of the flesh, good works, legalism. I don't do this. The problem with legalism is, the problem with that kind of nonsense is it's always subjective. I might do it here, but I might not do it over here. It's amazing how it works. Never mind. Don't go there. Don't go there. I might come back to that. Jesus is the answer because Jesus is the entrance to eternal life. One way in. One way in. Jesus, I'm the door. You know why the you, you know why the path is, you, know why, you know why it's narrow? Because there's one way. His name is Jesus. I'll take you to another point. Let me ask you a couple questions. So, if we know what eternal life is, and we know that Jesus is the pathway and the entrance to this eternal life, here's the question: When does it begin? When does, it, when does it begin? When does this eternal life begin? Well, I'm glad you asked. I heard Justin running to do something. I heard a sneaker squeaking. How many of you heard the little kid up here was having fun with his sneakers during worship? He was over be going, <laughs> I just started laughing. You know why? Because I love doing that. It's so much fun. If I'd have had mine on, I'd have joined him. When does it begin? Jesus is the answer because eternal life begins at the moment of belief. I'm just messing with you. I'm, just, I'm, not, I'm not just messing with you. I just messed with some people. Because you're thinking that eternal life begins when I die. No, it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Mm-mm. The fact of the matter is your immortality began the day you were created, because how many know we're going to live forever. We're either going to live in eternal death, misery, separation, hell, or we're going to live eternal life which is God right? The fact of the matter is I step into eternal life the moment I accept Jesus as my Savior, the moment I believe in him. That's what the Bible tells me. Let me take you back to these scriptures. John three sixteen. Again, pull it up. Let me, let me show you the scripture. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but read that word for me. Have everlasting life. Have, not will have, not might have, not someday will have, but have. If I have it, you ain't got it, it's mine. Right? Let me read you another scripture. The other scripture, John 5, 24. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me, has what? Has, I gotta find it. has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but passed from death into life. Do you see it here? Eternal life starts the moment we believe. Isn't that a wonderful thing? you saying, how does that work? Well, I don't know, but we'll figure it out. I'm just kidding. Maybe. You see, the use of those words are present tense. They point to the present. The concept of eternal life is not something that is only pushed off to a distant future when I pass away from this body or when I die. When I step into eternity, not just an eternity future, but an eternity now that runs one to the other, all right? Think about this for a moment. Eternal life begins the moment a person exercises faith in Christ. Whoever believes in the Son has eternal life. This, this note that the believer has, this has word, is present tense, this life. The verb is present tense in the Greek as well, all right? So now, here's the deal. You and I believe what Jesus did. Now eternal life is ours. I'm not waiting to die to get it. Aren't you glad you don't have to die? You say, no, I'm not so sure. I'm not sure I'm buying this. Oh, we'll keep going. Listen to me. The focus of our life is not on our future, but it should be on our current standing in Christ. The focus of eternal life is not on the future, but rather it's on our current relationship and our current standing with Christ. Now think about this with me for a moment. So so now Jesus says, the moment I believe, I step into and I have eternal life. Hmm. If eternal life is a gift of God, if it is knowing God, If eternal life is the result of Jesus removing the obstacles that stood between me and God, then that eternal life, how many know, has a present and a future ramification? There is both a qualitative and a quantitative impact regarding eternal life. Jesus is the answer because eternal life is both qualitative and quantitative. We have only measured it, much of Christianity has only measured it by the quantitative. That is, that's going to be that life that we live forever, that's perpetual and goes on and on and on. And that's all we've equated it to. When the fact of the matter is, in the Bible, the words eternal life and the connotations that go along with it have both a quantitative effect now, as well as a qualitative effect. What What do I mean by that? Well, let's go on. In the church, I've already said this, we've been defining eternal life in quantitative terms rather than applying qualitative words. The eternal life promised by God is both quantitative and qualitative in scope. Why? Because, listen to me, because let's go back to what it says. Because eternal life is knowing God. Your life has to be better when you know God. My life is better because I know you. Some of you. (laughs) How many of you have people in your life that your life is better because you know them? I've often said this about our friend Tommy Reed. Our church is a better church today because of my relationship with Bishop Tommy Reed from Buffalo. Because of the people he's introduced me to. Because of things he's exposed me to. I believe we're a better church because of that relationship. If eternal life is knowing God, which Jesus said, then it has to have a quantitative effect, a qualitative effect on my life, where now my life is better because of that relationship than it was before. Let's think about that for a moment. That relationship through Christ makes our life different. Jesus gives an illustration. Let me read you this scripture. It's not on the screens, but I'll read it to you. In John chapter 10, Jesus is talking about being the great shepherd, Going in and out, the sheep leading them. Let me read it. Most assuredly, I say to you, I'm the door of the sheep. All whoever came before me are thieves and robbers. But the sheep didn't hear them. I'm the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. If anyone enters through me, he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come to steal, or the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. All right. So Jesus is saying, listen, man, there's a thief. He come to kill, steal and destroy, but I have come that you might have life. And how many know we step into eternal life through belief in Jesus. And when we step into that, the Bible says that we're entering through the door, which is Jesus. And now I come in and out and I find good things. Come on. How many know the shepherd doesn't lead the sheep to bad things? And I come in, I come out. It has a, quanti- a qualitative effect upon my life because of my relationship with the shepherd. He says a little bit later on in that passage. He's talking to the Pharisees, but you don't believe because you're not my sheep. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life. Come on. When they hear me, they step into relationship with me. They believe me. They come in through the door, which is me. I give them eternal life. And they shall never perish. And neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. Listen to me. If your view of eternal life is only that which you receive after you die, you will never truly live. I meet people all the time that they're just hoping to skate into heaven. And they're miserable on earth. Miserable Christians. Ever met miserable Christians? They're unhappy and they want everybody to know they're unhappy and they want you to be unhappy. (laughs) Because I believe there's something to this. Because rather than making the the focus of their life God, they made the focus of getting to heaven. When you make your focus about the person, it'll bring you a joy that is greater than about a destination. The eternal life that Jesus spoke about, died for and taught, didn't just secure me a future, but it also changes my present. The eternal life of Jesus promised me gives me a present and a future hope. The eternal life of Jesus takes me from what? Glory to glory. How many like that verse? Glory to glory. I like that one. Always sounds good. Glory to glory. Come on, say it. Glory to glory. Glory glory. No, no. Glory to glory. Glory (laughs) to glory. Think about the people in Scripture that points you to Jesus, right? Think about them in the Scripture. Woman at the well, the woman with the issue of blood, Zacchaeus, Jairus, a synagogue roller—all whose lives were qualitatively made better the moment they came to believe and put their faith in Jesus, because they stepped into eternal life. Stop thinking it's a distant future thing; it's a present reality. Joy, Jesus is the answer because the joy of heaven is mine now because the joy of heaven is not a destination. The joy of heaven is a person. The peace of my, uh, heaven is mine now because of Jesus. Eternal life brings a qualitative effect upon my life because eternal life is about relationship, not a destination. not about the destination. Jesus said, this is eternal life, knowing God. Knowing God. Jesus is the answer who removed the obstacles that stood between me and knowing God. Me and having a relationship with God. Now, my life is different, not just because I get to heaven, but because I know God. Stop making eternal life about getting to heaven and make it about knowing God. It will change your life. It will take away stuff in your life. It'll cause things to dwindle away. It'll cause you to have joy that you never had. It'll cause you to lose things that you have in your life that you want to get rid of. It's about a relationship, not a destination. When you know God, your life takes on the qualities of God's life because his life is shared with you. How many of you can say you're better today because you married her? You guys did pretty good. Usually you're dumb, all right? You guys did well today. How many of you know your life is better because you married him? Wow, that was weak. (laughs) Come on. I hope you can say that. It's the essence of the relationship. When I step into relationship with my God, it makes me better. It makes my life better. Now you go through the trials of life with confidence and assurance because you know God. Because eternal life is knowing God. The confidence of eternal life is I know God. Now I go through trials. I go through hardship. I go through difficulty because I know that the God I'm in relationship will never leave me. He'll never forsake me. He'll never bail on me. I don't have have to sit here and I don't have to say, oh, I just wished I could go to heaven. What are you talking about? He's with you now he's with you now. You can endure because you're in relationship. When you go through the water, he'll be with you. When you go through the fire, he'll be with you. All of a sudden, guess what begins to happen? Because you're in relationship and his spirit lives inside of you. Guess what? You have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. Why? Because you're in relationship with God and now you become a better person. Listen, you want to lose your jealousy, get in relationship with God. You want to lose your insecurity, get in relationship with God. You want to have confidence, get in relationship with God. This is not about you living in certain roles and certain regulations uh, until I can get to heaven. God has a difference-making attribute in your life now, right now. You won't need that other stuff because you're in relationship with him. I think of the ancients, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Throw me in the fire. I don't care. I don't give a rip. Throw us in. I got a relationship with somebody you don't know. I know somebody you don't know. Whether he saves us or not, he's with me. We know what happened there. The fourth man in the fire showed up. I think of the scriptures that show us men and women who came to believe in Jesus and it changed their present life. I think about a man named Peter. Peter, I love Peter. I love Peter Jowdry too. You gotta love Peter, right? The impetuous fisherman. Man, you gotta love him. Hey, and Jesus says, come on, man. Put your faith in me. Put your trust in me. Follow you and I'll make you a fisherman. I'll, I'll change your life forever. Okay, let's see what happens. And all of a sudden, you watch this man, Peter. The whole course of his life changed because he chose to believe. He saw miracles. He performed miracles. He shared in the joy of God. How about this guy named Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, a lying, cheating, conniving, stealing tax collector, has an encounter with Jesus, puts his faith in Jesus. He becomes a philanthropist. i start giving it away, man. i just start giving it away. This woman was an issue of blood for 18 years or 12 years or whatever it was, 12 years. She's running around. She can't get healed anywhere. Her life is misery. Her life is hell on earth. She's unclean. She can't be touched. She can't touch people. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. If I could just touch the hem of his garment. Changed her life forever. That woman... That they were going to stone. That religion was going to stone. Let's kill her. Let's stone her. She says, no, no, not on my watch. I didn't come to condemn the world. I came to save her. I mean, no, you know, that's a life that's been forever changed. But enough about them. Enough about them. What about in this room? How has belief in Jesus, the entrance to eternal life, changed your life? Hmm? I look around this room and I could go from chair to chair and I could start saying, let me tell you about the eternal life in this life. Let me tell you about a Rick Vaughn. You know the testimony, 16 different people. Let me tell you what happened to Rick Vaughn. Rick Vaughn one day came, you know what? I believe in Jesus and guess what? His life has been forever different. Not perfect, different. Different. I can tell you about a John Miller who who has been through the battle of cancer this past year or two, how long it's been. And I can tell you that he has a relationship with Jesus that has been with him every step of the way and has had a qualitative impact upon his life. And he's a better man today, not because of cancer. He's a better man today because he walked with Jesus through the cancer. Come on, church. I could walk around this room and I could put after person after person and I could say, let me tell you about the qualitative impact that eternal life has now in this life. My God is awesome. My God provided the answer to eternal life and his name is Jesus. I can tell you about a man who went through a whole lot. Can I tell you a story? What did I do? My grip was too strong for you. (laughs) This man loves Jesus, works to see his glory. But in one fell swoop, serving the church, he lost a father figure, a friend, a wife, and a family because of the sins of others. And today, he's a pillar in our church who loves Jesus and happens to be friends with the pastor. (laughs) Qualitative impact of eternal life. Stop viewing it as that it began the moment you believed in Jesus. It's not something you're dying to get. It's something you die to self. And you accept Jesus. Jesus. And now he gives it. You see, Jesus is the answer who provides me entrance to the free gift of eternal life that has a quantitative and qualitative impact on my life because I know God. It's all about what Jesus says. I He gives eternal life, which is our ability to know God. And the moment I begin to know God, it has a change in my life now. But how many know I'm not waiting to die? We understand there's some things that come with dying. I understand that. But you understand what I'm saying? That the impact upon your life of eternal life is now, not just then. My God has an eternal life for you now. The relationship is now. The fruit of the relationship is now. Why aren't you experiencing it? Could it be because you've been viewing eternal life as a destination and not a relationship? Could it be because you have made it a destination rather than a relationship? The moment you make it a relationship, I'm going to make you a promise your life's going to be different. Could it be because you have viewed it as a place and not a person? Eternal life is a person, not a place. Could it be because you viewed it only as something in the distant future after you die? Today, I'm offering you eternal life. I offer you Jesus. Jesus. I offer you God. That's it in a nutshell. Christmas season. We know all the stuff that we do, we know all the stuff that we say. But let me say this to you the greatest gift this season that God wants to give you is the gift of eternal life through his son, Jesus Christ that's not just going to be your ticket out of hell, but rather your entrance into a life that you never imagined. Now, and you'll step into that other thing after you die. (laughs) Because here's what happens. Come on, Troy. When you step in to eternal life, which is a relationship with God and knowing God. The Bible says knowing God. And that means knowing him intimately, knowing him. When you step into that, your life becomes better because how many know he gently and graciously helps you get rid of the stuff that doesn't make you better? Come on, think about this for a moment. The Bible tells me he puts to death, the deeds, the sins, the deeds of the body, the flesh, right? Aren't you glad he does it? He does it. And it has a qualitative impact upon our life that makes us better. Don't you love it when he begins to develop in you the fruit of the spirit, which makes you a better person. You cannot develop fruit of the spirit without a relationship with the spirit, without a relationship with God. It just can't happen. And all of a sudden, you got joy. You're like, wow, man, where'd this come from? Relationship. You got peace. Where would that come from? Relationship. Am I making sense this morning? Am I just crazy? I know I tricked you. Here's what I want you to grasp this morning. The questions were, what is eternal life? Jesus said it's knowing God. He said it's knowing God. Not knowing a church, not knowing a denomination, not knowing a doctrine, not knowing a creed, not knowing a tradition. Not knowing scripture, but knowing God. Aren't you glad it's that easy? And, and, and what I want to answer this morning is, when does it begin? When I die? No, it begins when I die to self. It begins when I believe. He who believes has eternal life. Has. Everybody say has. has. And how do I acquire that? i got to step through the entrance. Who's Jesus? Because how I many know when you step through the entrance and say it's Jesus, you're not wondering, you're not now sitting around wondering if you've done enough. You're not sitting around wondering, have I done enough? Did I do enough? Did I not say, did I, did I not say, did, 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 I, did, I, did I make sure I didn't say those words enough? <laughs> huh? You know all the stuff that we add to it. I want you to make eternal life. I want you to, this Christmas season. I want you this Christmas season to make eternal life about what it is. A gift of God. A gift of God that enables you to know Him. A gift of God that removes the obstacles so that you can know Him and in a relationship with Him. A gift of God. It's His gift to you and I that came through His Son that has a present impact on my life not just a future destination. The greatest gift you can give God is your heart. Is your heart. Father, you're just an awesome God. You're just so incredibly awesome. We were facing eternal death. We were facing eternal separation from God. Our sin, the Bible tells us, separated us from you. And when we die in that sin, we're separated from you enough. The misery of hell is not flames. It's not a devil. It's not torment. It's the misery of hell that is absent of you. To be separated from you. That you're not there. And we're not in fellowship. And we're not in communion. And we're not in relationship. That's the misery of hell. And Father, I pray this morning that in this house, in this house, we would say, I know the answer to life. I know the answer to eternal life. And his name is Jesus. And Father, I pray that the ramifications of eternal life would profoundly impact our life right now, would change us and make a qualitative effect, of impact upon us. Yes, we know that there's an everlasting and an eternal age upon age perspective. But Lord, let us get our eyes off of that and knowing that that's coming. But right now it has impact in our life. Let us live what Jesus said he came to give, which was abundant life. Let us get rid of all the trappings, like the rich young roller. What do I got to (laughs) do? The question should have been who do I got to know? Let us not be like the Pharisees that they thought that their knowledge of the Scripture was enough. Their knowledge of the Scripture wasn't enough. Their knowledge of the Scripture didn't point them to the one they needed to know. But today we would say, Scripture points us to the one we need to know. Scripture is not our God. Scripture points us to our God. And I pray that we would understand what John said. In Him, was life, and that life was the light of man. If eternal life begins at the moment of belief, how many know what happens after death is not something I need to fear? God, you're so good. You are so good. This is my prayer for you this Christmas season. that you'd put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And experience. And listen to me. You can't figure it out before you put your faith and trust in him. (laughs) That's why it's called faith. You experience it after you take the step of faith. If future eternity... And hell is misery because of separation from God. Much of the time, present life misery is because of an absence of God. A relationship with God does not make your life perfect. But it does make your life better. Not because everything in your life changes for better, because you change for better. And how you begin to deal with situations and circumstances and difficulties and whatever life may throw at you and all the stuff that's inside of you, because all of a sudden how you deal with everything is different because of the one you're in relationship with. Now there's hope where there wasn't any hope. Now there's peace where there wasn't any peace. Now there's confidence where there wasn't any confidence. Now there's security where there wasn't any security. Now there's joy where there wasn't any joy. Now there's faith where there wasn't any faith. And so today I just want to encourage you to put your faith and your trust. Faith and trust in that name that we shouted and talked about earlier, that sacrament that comes out of our mouth Jesus, Jesus. The gift of God this Christmas season is eternal life. The gift of God. The reason that he sent his son that we celebrate Christmas season is so you and I could receive the gift of God. That was eternal life.